Well, finally we are here, the month of March, and I don't know about anyone else, but I've been looking at March 1st as kind of the restart date for the 2024 class, right? All right, March is here, the dead period is over, now I feel like this is where the commits are about to start happening in the 2024 class. Because ever since Michael Hawkins Jr. moved his commitment date, Parker, it kind of felt like, all right, you might have to get through the dead period to finally get your first commit. So here we are, the month of March. I'm not expecting 12 commits this month, but I am expecting at least one commit or the very first (laughs) commit of the 2024 class. I hope that's the case. How shocked are you going to be if we get through the month of March and OU still has zero commits on the board for 2024. Yeah, I would, I would be very shocked, Tyler. If we're sitting here on April 1st and there's still nobody on the board for OU, I don't think it's going to be cause for panic, but I think we will be looking back on the month of March and wondering what happened, or rather, what didn't happen. Because realistically, OU should start seeing commitments this month. And yeah. I think... The highest probability is that that starts with Michael Hawkins. Be a great place to start. Um, I maybe some out there would rather have one of those big time defensive linemen commit first, and I'm probably in that camp as well. But I'll take Michael Hawkins. I'll take a four star quarterback as the first commit on the board if I can get it. Because as we talked about several times before, as recently as yesterday. You get the four-star quarterback on the board, then you're going to start to see more commits happen because of him. In fact, man, like if you're looking for the, um, the biggest impact in the month of March, if what you're looking for this month is the most possible commits in this, in this coming month, you probably want Michael Hawkins Jr. to commit or be the first commit in this class. That, that's really the one thing that's going to get things kick-started, I feel yeah. like. And he doesn't have to be the first commit, necessarily. You do want him to be an early commit, and he will be one way or another. Whether it's OU or TCU, and I still think, I I still very firmly believe it's going to be Oklahoma. As long as he commits early, as long as he commits in the month of March, and with official visit season rolling around in May, A, Hawkins is going to be able to do a lot of peer recruiting throughout the remainder of the month of March and the month of April before official visits roll around. And B, you get a figurehead for your class. Sure. That's yeah. what a quarterback is more so than anything else. And there are times, right, where there is a figurehead for a class at another position. Generally, it's a very well-known and widely respected five-star. That, that, Generally, that, it's – That's an interesting case study, by the way, if you get done with this point. Like, has OU had a class that's, that's had a non-quarterback figurehead here recently? In like the past 10 years. And I'm trying to think of a good example. Who's been a non-quarterback figurehead for a recruiting class? Would, would C, um, like, did a quarterback come in with CD? Like what class was CD? 2017. 2017 Chris class. Chris Robeson was the quarterback okay, in that class. So now, like, we know CD now as, oh my gosh, like an incredible wide receiver. One of the best we've seen here in the past eight years or so. CD was still pretty highly thought. Maybe he qualifies as that for that class. I, I, I don't know, but... That's probably about as close as that we're going to find for a non for a non quarterback around here recently. Here's a great example: Luther Burden at Missouri in the class yeah. of 2022. Totally, that is an example of a non quarterback figurehead. But generally, the quarterbacks are the figureheads. Guys like Luther Burden being the figurehead for a class are the exception and not the rule. Yeah. So I, I look. Both of us are confident that commits are going to happen, and, and I would guess that. You're going to see the commits happen or the first commit happen 
in, in in my guess, like not at the back end of this month necessarily. I think it's more likely to be at the front end of this month, and I feel that way because of the big Junior Day weekend that's happening this weekend. No, I don't think that you're going to see five-star defensive lineman, number one defensive lineman, Will Winery necessarily say, yeah, let's shut her down. Let's shut her down. Oklahoma is the pick here. But Michael Hawkins will be in town for this. Several other big-time prospects will be in town. I would expect the first commit to happen before March 15th if I was putting money on it. Do you feel the same way, or do you think it could happen closer to April, the first commit? No, I agree with you. I say say it happens before March 15th. That is my bet. Now, okay, and here's what else I'll say. I I, I mentioned this last hour. I will reiterate it. I think Oklahoma gets a commitment this weekend. I just don't know whether that commitment becomes public right. this weekend. Yeah. If you catch my drift, because that's <laughs> always the thing, drift. right? It's not necessarily about when they get the commitments; it's when those commitments go public, because that's when everybody realizes, okay, this dude's on board. Because you and I will know, Tyler, if Oklahoma gets a silent commitment, but we're not necessarily going to be able to put that out in the open air. It's the most difficult thing to be it's, like, hey, like tricky. good news happened. It's like, what good news happened? It's like, well, guy, I mean, just good news happened, guys. You might need to feel good about the wide receiver position here moving forward, dropping trying to drop it basically every single hint and clue that you can that something uh, monumental happened. Uh, but yeah, hopefully someone will just make that public and no one's freaking out about the 2024 class. I don't think that's going to be the case, but if you do get through the month of March and you're still held scoreless without any commits, I think you go into April with some people saying, Hey, what's going on here? I know they signed a top five class last year. I know this staff can recruit. What, what's up with all the uh, slow momentum, momentum here to start off 2024? And I'm glad the Air Comfort Solutions text line collectively has learned from the 2023 cycle because to this point, no one is freaking out about recruiting, which is great because no one should be freaking out about recruiting. But I'm just glad that the narrative on the text line is markedly different from what it was oh last Oh, my March. gosh. Yes, there's night and day difference. Ugh. Which I guess is better for content with for uh, people freaking out, but that, that hasn't been the case thus far. Hey, here's an excellent question. Colin Claremore okay. wants to know, who on the KREF staff, excluding Teddy, would you not want to meet in the Oklahoma drill? Oh, wow, that is a great question um, because there's a pretty wide gap between Teddy's athletic ability <laughs> and everyone else. I, we, we have some athletic ability on staff, okay? But Teddy is the only former NFL guy that we that we that we have here. Is there any chance that Steely has some old man strength no. that we're not accounting for? No, there's not. It sure wouldn't seem that way, you know. That 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 would definitely surprise me. It would surprise me more if Steely had old man strength than it would if OU doesn't have a commit in the month of March. No offense, Mike. I love you. We're just trying to say who we wouldn't want to face in the Oklahoma drill. Here's my thought. TJ Perry is married to a police mm-hmm. officer. So I think he would be my answer because I'm counting on toughness by osmosis, right? You're married to a police officer. You got like the Oklahoma drill is one of those things where I feel like you're going to be able to. Right. But if you didn't know he was married to a police officer, would TJ even be on the radar for this question? I mean, you're counting on something here that may not necessarily be true. It's it, fair. It, it really it's fair. is. A it's good a calculated question. gamble. Maybe it's Toby. Maybe it's Toby that you don't want to face in the Oklahoma drill. Because I'll tell you this, you know, we don't have a former NFLer. We do have a few people that have played uh, sports collegiately, and Toby Rowland is one of those. He is a former college basketball player, 
And Toby is, he's got some lateral quickness, maybe a little bit quicker than you think. So I think the answer, if I'm going final answer, I think it might be Toby Rowland here. Okay. I would would look at him as a mean or nasty defensive player in the the Oklahoma drill. Uh, Toby's pretty nice individual, but there's some quickness there that I don't think most would account for. Well, and that's, that's my question. Does Toby have that dog in him? I think Toby might have that dog in him when it matters. I think it might. When it comes down to competition, I, uh, yeah, I think that that might shine. The n- no more Mr. Nice Guy Yeah, when it all hits the fan. Um, by the way, here's a list that you do want to be on, 24-7 sports. Future stars, these recruits will eventually take over the NFL scouting combine. And I did hear a hot take last hour from one of us on this show. And seeing as I wasn't on the show the last hour, that means it has to be Parker Thune. Parker just went ahead and proclaimed that P.J. Atabare is going to be a first-round pick someday. Yes, I did. He went ahead and threw that one out there. And he said, if I'm wrong, come after me, hate on me, whatever. But Parker's already predicting that P.J. is going to be a first-round pick. But on that article, future recruits that will eventually take over the NFL Combine – P.J. Atabare is the first guy listed on here. Exactly. It's like they, they were trying to come up with these names. Like, all right, were some of these guys in the 2023 class that they're going to get to the combine and they're just going to go crazy there. And the first name they thought of was, ooh, how about Atabare, who's a five-star edge player. Um, he's, got, he's got arms for days, and he's, just, he's, a, he's a physical freak, and that's only going to improve here the next three or four years. Oh, man. Here's what people need to understand if they don't already about P.J. The genetics are crazy. His older brother was just another three-star in the class of 2019 who ended up committing to Northwestern. He's going to be a day-two pick this year in the NFL draft. And he's about six foot two, 280. His arms are not nearly as long as P.J.'s. 82-inch wingspan for P.J. Atabare, according to 24-7 Sports. 82? Yeah, that's what it says. Uh, no, it's, it, it's longer 80, than that? It's longer than that. It's 85. No. Uh-huh. Yeah. You We're got talking these over, over seven feet. Yes. Come on, 24-7. Get the wingspan right. You're shorting this guy three inches of wingspan. Let's show him some respect if you're going to put him on the uh, article, please. He must have had his fists closed while he was doing the measurement or something. But Now, P- P.J. is a genetic freak. Who cares only about football? You heard Ashton Sanders say it a couple weeks ago at Media Days. Yeah, it's like PJ's never seen a movie in his life. You want to talk about a football guy? Wow. PJ Atabari. So don't talk about movies with PJ. Don't talk about movies with PJ. But according to this article, he will eat six PB&J sandwiches a day to gain weight. Well, they already shorted him three inches of wingspan. Are they shorting him three PB&J sandwiches as well? Can you confirm that... It's actually nine PB&J sandwiches instead of six? I don't know. All I know is when that dude showed up to campus at Oklahoma, he was 226 pounds. When we talked to him at Media Day a couple weeks back, he was the first guy I went over and talked to, and we got to chatting, and he was like, yeah, I'm 238 right now. Hmm. So he put on 12 pounds in, what, three weeks? <laughs> not, not bad. Uh, God-given, uh, PJ Atabare. That's, that's, what that, that's what that is. God-given is what that is. Uh, this text says, does Lehman not work there? Toby over Teddy? But, well, the but, question <laughs> said, excluding one Teddy Lehman, who would you least want to face in the Oklahoma drill? So, yes, Teddy indeed does work here. He will not be here today. He is on his Wednesday sabbatical. Uh, but, yeah, the, the question was everyone not named Teddy Lehman. 
Colin Claremore says, how does Tyler facing Toby in the Oklahoma drill affect recruiting? Our favorite text At that some we can point, get. we just need, we need to do something competitive as a staff. Bowling doesn't count. Need to do, we need to have like a golf scramble, or we just need to have a ref Olympics. I did a uh, NFL combine against uh, a <laughs> guy that used to work, guy that used to work here. We did bench press, we did 40-yard dash, I think we did long jump, and we even did the Wonderlick test, which the competition came down to the Wonderlick test, by the way. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did, it was, did, so, did, you, so, did so, you win? I, I did, yeah. I, I, okay. I won because of the Wonderlick test. Yeah, that's nice. right. Yeah, The 40-yard the dash was, was nice as well, out in a uh, parking lot at a gym here in, uh, in, in Norman. Maybe we need to do an NFL combine. And wouldn't that be a fun topic, right, to go ahead and predict who would win in all of those categories? In fact, I had that written down today, oddly enough. 2023 signees uh, since the NFL Combine is going on, which particular recruits would win in the 40-yard dash, the bench press, and other various things that they're going to be doing this week in the NFL Combine. We'll hit that in a whole lot more. Most intense position battle that's going on for OU this upcoming spring. Uh, Jimmy Burrow, the dad of Joe Burrow, gave some, you know, a little bit more clarity on why his son didn't end up at Nebraska and ended up at LSU instead. Oh, that'll be fun. Oh, yeah, it's always a fun conversation. Maybe the biggest miss in Nebraska football history. Not getting Joe Burrow, not once, but twice, to Lincoln, Nebraska. We'll get to your text as well. 405-651-3439. Locked in with McComas and Thune right here on the ref. On the ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on the ref for the Homeless Sooner fans inside the Buffalo Wild Wings studio on this Wednesday. Michael Hawkins Jr. visiting TCU today, four-star quarterback, will be at OU this weekend. You think uh, JFA himself, Jackson Arnold, will be used as a negative recruiting tactic by TCU? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he, I, I'm sure he will. I... I don't know if people realize how tight JFA and Michael Hawkins are, though. Like, you want to talk about how much of a team player JFA is? He's been recruiting Michael Hawkins to Norman. Yeah, which is probably very rare for an elite quarterback. A lot of those guys are kind of like, oh, no, I don't want any elite quarterback behind me. He seems pretty, like, confident and sure of himself. It makes sense, right? If you're Jackson Arnold... Jackson Arnold doesn't have to worry about getting his job stolen from under his nose. He's Jackson Arnold. But by the same token, he's all in with Oklahoma. He wants the Sooners to be able to build the same type of class in 2024 that they built in 2023. And guess what? That starts with a quarterback. So as long as you're not worried about the guy behind you stealing your job, which Jackson Arnold is not, heck, you might as well. Might as well help out as much as you can to recruit that guy to Norman and be able to hand the baton to him as the new chief peer recruiter. Well, and, and not only just that, too, like if you want to, I think you can look at it this way as well. Like Jackson Arnold will probably be a starter at OU for, I mean, at least two years, two maybe seasons. three yeah. years. Well, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see what happens there. Probably two seasons, though, most likely, I would agree with you. Now, I could see a scenario where you say, and this goes back to what we've already said today, what we said yesterday several times. If getting an elite quarterback is so crucial to a recruiting class, 
that it might get you another receiver or two, another offensive line or two, another running back. That's only going to help out Jackson Arnold in the long run, right? If he's so confident that he's going to win the starting job, and I would say that he has every reason to be confident that he will have the starting job in 2024, if a guy behind you, a class behind you has an elite quarterback and he brings along a couple of skilled players along with him, then that's only going to benefit Jackson Arnold in the end. And I'm sure that he knows that. Like, Jackson Arnold himself brought along and really helped recruit several guys. If Michael Hawkins is that dude in this class, guess who stands to benefit from that maybe the most out of that? Probably Jackson Arnold as a, as a two-year starter starting in 2024. So it makes a lot of sense as to why he'd say, I'm not scared or intimidated by a really good quarterback behind me. That can only help my offense moving forward. That's, I, I think that's the way to look at it. It's a holistic approach, and look – Michael Hawkins is a very good quarterback. This is no knock on him. But Michael Hawkins isn't going to beat out Jackson Arnold. It, Much like Kyler Murray was a really freaking good quarterback, but Kyler Murray did not beat out Baker Mayfield. Now you're talking about two guys that are elite in their own right and have their own unique aspects of their skill set, but one is not going to supplant the other. One will have to wait for his time to come. Michael Hawkins' time will come. Until then, the minute Dylan Gabriel is no longer a part of the program at the University of Oklahoma, this is Jackson Arnold's show. By the way, thank you, Ref Army, for listening nationwide once again today. Uh, This is everyone listening via the Ref app. Just search K-R-E-F in the App Store. San Antonio, Texas, I see you on the map. Bristol, Rhode Island, Hot Springs, Arkansas, Deerfield Beach, Florida, Seattle, Washington, Joplin, Missouri. Small Oklahoma town of the day. I think we have a first-timer here. Let's go down south. Wilson, Oklahoma uh, registered on the map when I looked at it last break. I don't think that we've read off Wilson, Oklahoma. Point of reference, what is near Wilson? Uh, is it like by the Ada area, kind of? Like is maybe the best way to describe it? Very, very small town is Wilson, okay. Oklahoma. Tracking. But they uh, they made it for the first time today. So uh, congratulations to whoever, whoever's listening to us out there via the ref, ref app. Here is a totally random recruiting question. And, I, I, and I'm trying to think of recruiting battles OU has right now that involve a Pac-12 school. What immediately, what immediately comes to mind is the name that we keep bringing up, right? williams Um, Oregon could be in that one. Obviously, Missouri's there, but Oregon seems like they're going to be a player as well. What's the big storyline out of the Pac-12 right now? It's that they might be playing on Peacock or some random subscription-based TV model here moving forward. Like, the Pac-12 is not going to have a grand TV package like any of these other major conferences are. Has that been or will that be any effect whatsoever, negative effect, for these Pac-12 schools recruiting in 2024 and beyond? Because there's just so much uncertainty about that conference overall and what kind of TV package that they're going to have. I just wonder if that factors into things whatsoever. Yeah, and obviously USC and UCLA are moving. Oregon is, I, th- I, I think Oregon is immune from all of it because there is so much money at the University of Oregon. The amount of money that Oregon has at its disposal will always outweigh any of the semantic concerns that recruits and recruits families have about what the future looks like for that program and what the future looks like for the Pac-12. But, man, if you're Arizona State right now, if you're Cal, what about if you're Colorado? And I know the Dion factor can outweigh some things, but you know maybe they'll just land in the Big 12 and they'll be fine. But I think, to your point, there's a lot of these Pac-12 schools where there's 
They're going to have to be battling a lot of things in recruiting here moving forward. I just wonder if it opens up the West Coast a whole lot more. And I think the West Coast has been open here recently for non-Pac-12 schools. You've seen Alabama go out to the West Coast and get quarterbacks. You've still seen OU here recently. Oh, you just got an offensive lineman from the state of Washington this past cycle, right? So I still think OU, if they want to have a lot of success on the West Coast, they can. I, I just wonder if um, those Pac-12 schools are going to be hurting even more out there in recruiting. Something to think about. Conflicting reports on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Gunny of Stutzman Army says Wilson is between Oak Mulgee and Henry. No, 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 no. Way Se- further down yeah, south. Several than that. others have said Wilson is west of Arnold. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Apparently, uh, Wilson is the hometown of Chuck Norris. Is really? That Seriously? I need to Google that one. The hometown of Chuck Norris and Steve Bullard, <laughs> who is a uh, big uh, OU Twitter personality on uh, on social media. Norris was born in Ryan, Oklahoma. Why you guys lie like that? Come on. I think Ryan is down. I, I don't know if it's by Ryan Wilson, is, but it's like it's down south. Yeah, Ryan is too. way down south, right on the Texas border. Uh, but but Chuck Norris was born in Oklahoma. That's that's all that matters. Okay, there you go. Uh, <laughs> Peacock would be an upgrade. Think BBC News was leading the charge on the Pac-12 TV rights deal. I made the joke the other day. They might have to show their games on OnlyFans here moving forward. You subscribe nine ninety nine for the Pac-12's OnlyFans channel, and that's where they show all their games. And Pac-12 games won't be showing until ten o'clock at night on Friday and Saturday nights on their uh, on their OnlyFans channel. That might be their best option that they have. Is there going to be something in terms of the programming that, like, spices things up? Uh, I'm sure Muleshoe will uh, contribute to that. Yeah, like Muleshoe's going to be topless. <laughs> <laughs> so gross, dude. Oh, from uh, the 918. I, we just grossed everyone out. Sorry about that. Didn't mean to go there. Topless Muleshoe. Everybody's got that <laughs> image indelibly seared into their brains. J.G. Uh, Wentworth on the text line says... Too much is being made of Hawkins and his recruitment. Hawkins is a project with lots of upside, but he's far from elite. Okay. Okay. I mean, that's. Oh, I mean, again, the guy is going into his senior year of high school. Like, there's still a whole lot of development that has to take place. Look, JG Wentworth, eight seven seven cash now. <laughs> if you would like to argue that Michael Hawkins wouldn't have been a top five quarterback in the twenty three class this last cycle. I would agree with you. Absolutely, I'm there. If you want to tell me that he is not Jackson Arnold, I think we just basically said that about five minutes ago. The only thing I'd say is, again, he's going into his senior year of high school. A lot of development can still happen. Let's maybe pump the brakes on what he is or what he isn't before he completes his high, you know, his, his high school graduation. I, I think that's just probably the smart way to go about it for a high school quarterback. Do we have some mule shoe topless jokes on the yeah, text we line? Yeah, okay. we do. Mule shoe topless would look like Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> so, Better than Kip Dynamite, I guess. Tyler from Kellyville says mule shoe looks like a guy who would sell feet picks instead of going topless. Well, if you were to sell feet picks, he's got somebody to buy them. Yeah, well, you would have one subscriber on that OnlyFans channel. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, we're terrible people. Some of USC's cheerleaders already make more off their OnlyFans than the whole league would. Yeah, LOL. maybe so. Brooks says thanks for the lasting image, guys. Yeah, it you're was welcome. look, it was uncalled for. We we shouldn't have we shouldn't have said that. Full disclosure. I I will blame Parker Thune for putting that mental image in all of your heads, but I'll I'll take the fall for that one. Somebody said more gross than talking about gout. <laughs> it's it's the closest thing 
to talking about gout, honestly. Shirtless mule shoe, man. All right, 405-651-3439. Still a lot in recruiting. Uh, I mentioned it earlier, but Joe Burrow's dad had a very interesting comment on uh, Yeah, I got to hear this. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll talk about that coming up next and and a whole lot more. And uh, a new crystal ball is in for Texas. Well, I, I, I shouldn't say a new crystal ball. More crystal balls are coming in for a particular prospect that is uh, truly good. Tell you about that more coming up next. Keep it locked in the ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. So people are sending us photos of the uh, water tower and Wilson. Two things I didn't think we'd talk about today. Mule shoe shirtless. The Water Tower in Wilson, Oklahoma. I guess it says the home of uh, Chuck Norris on it. So I, I guess he lived there at a young age. Wikipedia says he wasn't born there, but I guess he lived there when he was young. Okay, Wilson's Wilson natives, we accept this. If Ryan, Oklahoma, isn't we, also claiming Chuck Norris, then I think that would be we a We accept your claim to Chuck Norris. Your evidence has been received. Your case has been upheld. Yeah. Your move, Ryan, Oklahoma. What are you going to do now? Put got any Ryan tower? listeners? We're about to find out. Need to make a play here. Uh, Travis Davidson, girl boy himself, is going to join at 3 today, not this segment. He said he was going to come on at 2.35, but he started vomiting, thinking about topless mule shoe feet picks. So he has to clean Ugh. up the mess before he, before he comes on with me uh, today at 3 p.m. Uh, all right, so Jimmy Burrow, dad of Joe Burrow, was on 93.7 The Ticket in Lincoln and was asked about, hey, you guys are big Nebraska fans. A couple of his family members played at the uh, played with the Huskers. Why wasn't Joe Burrow a star for the Huskers instead of the LSU Tigers? He said, quote, I've been asked about that a lot. He grew up a Nebraska fan and wanted to certainly go to Nebraska in high school. When I was there with Coach Frank Solich, he learned a lot about Memorial Stadium. Things changed, I guess, over the years, and the opportunity wasn't there. We certainly had reached out to Nebraska during the Bo Pelini era. I know just about everybody on the staff, and some of them really pushed hard for Joe Burrow, and some maybe didn't, but it never really became an offer to play at Nebraska, so we had to move on. That's the first end quote. Yeah, do you want to know the – like, I can give you the answer in two words. You want to know why the answer why, the answer why Joe Burrow wasn't a Husker? Bo Pelini? Adrian Martinez. Mm. T- uh, well – Adrian Martinez or Taylor Martinez? Adrian Martinez. Really? Yeah. Because huh. so, I, yeah, I, I guess that, yeah, T- Taylor Martinez, T Magic, as they called him up there, would have been much before Joe Burrow. Much I earlier. Guess. Yeah. Joe Burrow was what, class of 2015, I want to say. So that would have been amidst turnover on the Nebraska staff between the Pelini era and the Mike Riley era. But when he got in the transfer portal from Ohio State in 2018, he wanted to go to Nebraska, Tyler. And Scott Frost didn't recruit him because he was married to the idea of Adrian Martinez mm. being his star quarterback. Which, in hey, Adrian Martinez became a pretty good college quarterback. Not at Nebraska. Not at Nebraska. He had to go to Kansas State to do so. And even with that year last year, you know, he wasn't anywhere close to Joe Burrow, one of the better college quarterbacks we've seen. I was going to say 25 years, really, ever. So that's egg on Nebraska face, that a kid grew up a Husker fan. He was a Nebraska legacy. They reached out twice, twice, tried to go to Nebraska, and both Pelini and Frost said, eh, we've got some options here that we like a lot better. Yikes. Scott Frost bet on Adrian Martinez over Joe Burrow, 
And it, among other things, resulted in him probably indelibly being remembered as maybe the worst head coach in Nebraska football history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, with, with just with with the overall record, I bet the win percentage probably says that, Parker. And then when you look at the terrible losses they had during his tenure, including what the Georgia Southern didn't they lose to Georgia Southern this year? Yes, Isn't that did. who they lost that to was, this year? That was the straw that broke the camel's back. Which I would argue that wasn't their worst loss. That Northwestern loss may have been their worst loss that they had. Didn't this Northwestern year. lose like nine in a row after that? Yeah, they. It was in like mid late November, and they hadn't. They had won one game, but not in the United States. Like their only <laughs> win had come in uh, Europe. Oh man, yeah, that Georgia Southern game. That was the week before Oklahoma went up there to Lincoln. Yeah, yeah, it was, and they lost that game. And it wasn't a fluke either. Georgia Southern just rolling up and down the field. Because we were all we were all sitting there in. It was after the uh, OU had just finished. What what would their second game of the year have been? Kent State. Kent State. They had just finished the Kent State game, and we're all sitting there in the uh, in the press conference room waiting for Brent Venables, and we're all sitting there, and I got my laptop up, and we're all kind of huddled around watching Georgia Southern drive down the field for the game-winning field goal against Scott Frost in Nebraska. And uh, I forget who it was, but that field goal from 50 yards out sails through the uprights to give Georgia Southern the win. One of the other beat writers turns to me and says, that's got to be it, right? And then the next day, Sunday, Frost sure was enough, it was, yeah. it, that, that was it. That was it. Man. Uh, Sooner Gundy says, let's see, let me scroll. Muleshoe probably only has two hairs on his chest. <laughs> uh, I don't think that'll surprise anyone. The Water Tower and Wilson, they're showing us indeed, yes, okay, here's more evidence that Chuck Norris is actually uh, actually from Wilson. Uh, I'm going to need to repent after all, about, uh, after all of that, talking yeah, about the uh, shirtless Muleshoe picks. Uh, Chuck wasn't born in Wilson, but did go to school here for a while, and his mom lived and died here. Love the shows. I've been listening from five, for five years. JJ from Wilson. Well, sounds like JJ's uh, the one that's listening in Wilson, so uh, thanks for, for sounding off on that one. 405-651-3439, Air Comfort Solutions text line. Uh, Jarrett Gibson, we've talked about him a few times this week. More crystal balls are coming in on him to Texas. You... Um, not so subtly hinted the biggest reason why there's so much traction to the five-star running back in the University of Texas. 24-7's comp for him that they have is former Georgia quarterback Sony Michelle, which just gives me the chills every, th- every time I think of Sony Michelle because I remember the uh, multiple 70-plus yard touchdowns that Georgia had in that Rose Bowl game from none other than just basically handing the ball off on a first and ten play and Nick Chubb or Sony Michelle's running the distance for a touchdown. I remember Sony Michelle. Nick Nick Chubb too. Sony Michelle had a pretty nice day against OU in the Rose Bowl. I think he scored the game winning touchdown in overtime, if I remember correctly. That that happened. So if the comp is to Sony Michelle, let's hope he doesn't play like Sony Michelle uh, against OU. Jarrett Gibson. Looks like Texas is close to landing a five star running back. For Which the second be, consecutive yeah, year, by the way. Their second consecutive year with a five-star running back after getting Cedric Baxter in this past class. So, uh, look, Tashard Choice doesn't have skins on the wall yet as a running back coach, but he's going to have an opportunity here with Cedric Baxter and potentially Jarrett Gibson coming along as well to be able to solidify his reputation as one of the better running back coaches in the country. 
he's really got to hit a home run with Baxter and Gibson, though, because right now I think Texas, yes, they're they're sweetening the pot for elite running backs, but they're also riding the high of having B. John Robinson on campus for three yeah. years, and you really got to capitalize on that momentum. Which, by the way, Will Anderson, I, that, that's a popular question at the NFL Combine, I guess. Hey, you're really good. You might be a first or second round pick. Who's the best player that you played against this year? And it was uh, Felix Anduke Uzoma, uh, Uzoma from Kansas State who said Anton Harrison is the best player that he played against. Apparently, Will Anderson said uh, Bijan Robinson is the best player that he played against. So that that's kind of like the big stories coming out of the combine today. Insert player here said insert player here was the best player he played against. I remember scrolling through my Twitter feed at a certain point this past fall, and somebody was lampooning a take. I can't remember. There was some journalist that was like, LOL at all these people that think Bijan Robinson is going to be a top five running back in the league within two years. I was like, really? Huh. That's, <laughs> that's interesting. That's not the hottest of takes, sir. Well, I, uh, I thought that that could be the case after his first year at Texas when Tom Herman – finally started giving him the football down the stretch and Kansas State was scoring like 69 points or Texas scoring like 69 points against Kansas State late in the year and Bijan was just going crazy that that is not a new take that take has been there for a couple of years with Bijan I'm not saying that you have to like Texas hate Texas all you want um but Bijan Robinson's really good man I mean he's 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 really good and I think that we saw that up close and, and personal a couple of times here recently yeah say what you will about Texas there's no downplaying Bijan Robinson's skills he is going to be a star yeah he at is the next level um I, I teased it in the first segment 2023 signees how they would fare in the NFL combine right now just amongst themselves if you lined up all the 2023 signees who would win in a 40-yard dash Peyton Bowen by the way Lloyd uh, loyal listener Lloyd sent me a DM before the show started today, and it was a graphic, I think, from Denton Geyer. They had Top Gun, Top 5 Individual Max Velocity, and I guess, uh, oh, actually it was Eli Bowen uh-huh. who clocked out at uh, 22.96. I'm guessing that's just uh, miles per hour while they're on the field, like at, at, at a full sprint. I, exactly. I don't know. But Eli Bowen's really fast, too. But Peyton Bowen in a 40-yard dash, that's probably, that's probably I'll take, accurate. I'll take Peyton Bowen by a hair over Jaquay's Petaway. Uh, what about bench press? 2023 signees are all doing bench press. Who wins it? Ooh. Ooh. And everyone's okay. healthy for this. Josh Bates. I go Josh Bates. Inside offensive lineman. Uh-huh. Already a really big dude. Um... Yeah, I, I, I and he's shorter than all the other yeah, guys, so yeah, he doesn't gotta yeah, go yeah, as yeah, far. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which, yeah, that's I, I think uh, like just going inside offensive lineman. Period is probably a pretty good bet. But now that we're familiar with Josh Bates, I, I think that's I think that's a good way to go. The Wonderlick test: Who would score the best on that? Ooh. Hopefully, there's uh, no one scoring as low as uh, Vince Young <laughs> on this on this signee list. Samuel Masigo. Okay. No Jackson Arnold. No JFA. Jackson would score pretty well. I bet you Sammy would score the best. Okay. Are we missing anything else? Do we need to do long jump or three cone or anything like that? PJ would just win all of those. I, I think uh, Wonderlick, bench press, and 40-yard dash is probably the three things that people care about most coming out of the combine, right? Yeah, that's, that's probably the case. All right, 405-651-3439. I promise we'll get to as many texts as we can coming up next. More recruiting on the other side. Keep it locked on the ref. 
Final segment locked in with McCombs and Thune, live on the ref. At some point, we're going to have to spend several minutes talking about uh, Doc Sadler, OU men's uh, assistant basketball coach, and the fact that he apparently lives in a van yeah. in the parking lot of the LNC. I didn't know that till I read the Tulsa World story today. That yeah, is so amazing. I knew, I knew he was living in uh, a van. I love that. I thought, so when he got to Norman to take the job, I knew he was living in a van. I thought he planned – my impression was that he planned upon – solidifying some form of more permanent housing, but I guess that's not the case. I guess he's just living in a van. Last summer, Doc Sadler and his wife Tanya bought the van to explore the country together. Uh, It's a Travato. Is that how you say it? Travato 59KL. It runs 21 feet long and 6 feet 3 inches wide, powered by a V6 engine. So he just... He's, that's where he lives, and uh, the story says there could be some windy nights, Parker, and yes, that van will rock back and forth uh, a little bit. Like Golly, if there's that, a tornado passing Yeah, that would have been scary on Sunday night, right? Because you can just drive the thing off, but I, I, I don't know. That's, that's, it, that's very Doc Sadler, though, which is the part that I love the most. It's amazing. Drew from Flower Mound on the text line. Parker wanted names. My name is Drew, a.k.a. Drew from Flower Mounds. Um, how mutual is the interest between OU and Ty Anthony Smith? There's mutual interest there. I I don't think he is a top-shelf priority for Oklahoma. I think the guys that they really, really want, and this will surprise nobody, are Peyton Pierce and Sammy Brown. But I think you got to be realistic with what you're going to get at linebacker. And it, it's a dream scenario if Oklahoma gets Peyton Pierce and Sammy Brown. I think they will get Peyton Pierce. I'm not sold on them getting Sammy Brown. So. 918, is there a study guide to Wonderlick tests like there is for an AC, ACT test? Three laughing face emojis? I don't think so. But just because you bomb the Wonderlick test doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a bad quarterback in the NFL. Terry Bradshaw scored like a 16 out of 50. He, he won a few Super Bowl in his days, right? Dan Marino and Jim Kelly, pretty good quarterbacks. They each scored a 15. Steve McNair scored a 15. Randall Cunningham scored a 15. Dante Culpepper, not as good as some of those guys I just listed, but he scored an 18. So there's been a decent number of really good to great NFL quarterbacks that have bombed the Wonderlick test. So it's not necessarily an indictment on what you're going to be in the league. What, what have you guys heard from winter workouts? Who's standing out so far? That's from the 918s. Well, among the new guys, PJ has certainly stood out. And he's just an easy guy to be impressed with, like right when and he walks through the door. Yes, you know? yes, exactly. He hasn't been a full participant because for a few weeks there, he was working past a toe injury that he suffered at the All-American game. Ashton Sanders has been really impressive. Again, not a guy that is terribly physically imposing at about six foot one, 285 pounds. But he can move some weight, as can Phil Pachotti, six foot three, two thirty-seven. That's a guy that's college ready. Among the elder statesmen, among the guys that have been around, uh, this shouldn't come as a huge surprise either. But Rondell Bothroyd, being a sixth-year senior, yeah. he's impressed. Um, oh gosh, I'm trying to think who else. I'm like going position by position in my head, Caleb Schaefer. I'm really just rolling with the new guys here, but I think it's the new guys that people are most interested in. Well, and the new guys that you probably hear the most about. Like, Danny Stutzman looked like he added some muscle, looked like he added some weight in the offseason. 
But more times than not, what you're really going to talk about is the guys that you've never seen before, most likely. Exactly. Uh, who is going to be the most impactful offensive transfer? That's Joe from Guthrie. Well, there's there's a few candidates. You've got your starting tight end, Austin Stogner. Yeah, I'm going to go with that one, Tyler. Yeah, Walter I, Rouse, maybe, if he turns into a really good um, offensive lineman for you. If Andrew Anthony emerges as your number one wide receiver. But I would tend to think Stogner is probably the right answer right now. I don't know if anybody comes within miles of Stogner if he is what I expect him to be in 2023. And I do think Caleb Schaefer is going to start. I think Walter Rouse is going to start. Both those guys will have crucial roles on the Oklahoma offensive line. But the the added dimension that Austin Stogner can bring to this offense makes him the very clear choice at number one. I'll uh, just throw him some jump balls. Throw him some jump balls when you're inside the red zone. That's essentially what they did against Texas in, what, the first overtime in that 2020 game? It's the least talked about important play of that game. Yeah, because if he doesn't make that catch, they don't win that game. It's fourth down, and they're probably not scoring on the next play. And you were talking about, how did OU blow a 14-point lead in like six and a half minutes? Terrible clock management. How did that happen? Yeah, I like Stogner a lot to have a big year. I don't think he's going to win the Mackey Award or anything like that with, with Mark Andrews in 2017, but can he be a big weapon in this offense? Yeah, absolutely. I think he can be a big weapon in this offense. Uh, all right, uh, the rush is coming up next. Keep it locked right here on the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans.